We are in Life in Christ, Part 3, and the title of this is Bondage. And one of Paul's biggest things that he's going to be talking about is how certain things can put us back into bondage. And so in Galatians chapter 2, and I'm getting it there, If you've hit Revelation, you've gone too far. I'm just saying. Okay, well, that was the joke, so I'm, I'm just saying. <clears throat> so in Galatians chapter 2, Paul has been, in, in chapter 1, we went through that in the last couple Sundays, and Paul established several things, and then he continues his discourse by in, in chapter 2 by saying, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. Okay, Now, there's an important little aspect of this is the amount of time that Paul was in ministry before he went up and, 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 and how long he had done that. He had established a foundation of, a, of an authority, which is kind of what he's trying to get at. He's trying to get them to understand that he has authority here. And so then after 14 years, I went up again uh, to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among. Now remember... That re revelation, the word revelation, meaning to reveal a mystery or to discover or to, you know, to have that, that made known with the intention of, of understanding. The Greek word for that is actually apocalypse. And last week we learned that apocalypse, in, in today's dictionary, if you look up the word apocalypse, it means destruction. But if you go back in time, and I actually have the 1826 dictionary, so if you're really, really, truly interested in, in you know, doing that, that deep delve, I probably am the only one, but if anybody is really interested into the old, in 1826, apocalypse did not mean destruction. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even close to meaning destruction. It actually meant to discover or to have a mystery revealed with the intention of you understanding it. And so when you read the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is actually to reveal. And yes, the Greek word is apocalypse. Like I said, the original meaning and where we get the word apocalypse from that Greek word doesn't mean that. It does not mean destruction. It means to reveal. And I went up by Revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who are of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Now, this verse is interesting in the fact that you have two primary particles. You may be wondering, what is a primary particle? I was wondering the same exact thing, except for you English majors out there that teach it all the time. You already know what that means. But a primary particle does not fit, it's a word that does not fit into noun or verb, and does not change. So, for example, to, the to, and to fly. To would be a primary particle. It's important to understand what, you know, what is happening, but not necessarily a, the subject matter. So, 
this comes into importance because the interpretation of a word only makes sense if you knew the subject of the book of Acts. Okay, so what Paul is doing is he's going through some of the things that in Acts chapter 15, I'm not going to read all of it, but in Acts chapter 15, if you rewind, keep your hand in Galatians because we're going to be right back there. And if you want to re rewind with me, Paul is in a very brief way giving a, basically a, a summary of what happened in Acts chapter 15. And in Acts chapter 15, Verse 1, and certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Thus they were, in Paul's own deal in Galatians, they were perverting the gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is that of freedom, not of one under bondage, which we will get to in just a little bit. And in verse 2 of Acts chapter 15, it indicates the fact that Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputing with this. And then they had to go up to Jerusalem. So in Galatians chapter 2, and you might want to keep your keep like a bookmark in Acts because we're going to be back there in a little bit. He's going through this and also not to mention, but privately to those who were of reputation. Now, in the Geneva Bible, it, they use the word particularly. In the 1526 Bible, the word is translated as apart. Okay? So you have but privately. But is a primary particle, and so is the word privately, whereas what they do is they use an English word that kind of brings a little bit more context to it, because that Greek word is keta, and is normally used to denote opposition or an intensity, which when we read the account in the book of Acts makes perfect sense, because one, it was privately in the fact that it was only the council there in Jerusalem one, but two, obviously very intense and obviously in opposition to certain factions. So now you understand a little bit about why they use the word privately in this interpretation. But if you were to look it up, um, you're going to find that it normally denotes opposition. That's what that Greek word is, is denoting. So, but privately to those who were of reputation, which means those people who were of leaders or chiefs, as it's also that word um, reputation, chiefs in other, in other, in the Geneva Bible and in the 1526 Bible, um, they say as chiefs, and that would be chiefs within the council of the Christian church. So, but right now, notice though, Paul still hasn't talked about the actual content of what was being discussed. He is just referencing the, what happened in the book of Acts. He has not talked about that yet. We know about it because we read the book of Acts. Why did he oppose this view? We find this out in verse 3, yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So now, if you research, you will find there's locations and times when Paul did have people circumcised or was with people who have circumcised. So, so now he's talking about not. So where's the comparison there? 
And what I'm going to say is that Paul was not against any Jewish individual, but for a Gentile, there's absolutely positively no reason to put yourself underneath that law. Titus being Greek, now remember, Galatia, they were actually Celtic. And so that being the case, he's basically using a comparison. Titus was with me during this period of time, and not even Titus was being compelled to do this. Okay, so in verse 4, and this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. He uses the term as bondage. Okay, so Paul comes in. What do we know for right now? Since in chapter 1 going all the way through, I won't read chapter 1 all the way through. I'll just summarize First off, Paul, an apostle not appointed by men, he, made it, he declared it very, very clearly. This is not something that man has done. This is something that God has called me to do. He also gave the salvation message in verses 3, 4, and 5 of chapter 1. He talked about grace. He talked about peace. He talked about the price being paid. He talked about the hope of our deliverance found in Jesus. He talked about God's plan found in Jesus. The next one, there are people who are perverting the gospel of Christ so that it makes sense to man. Another one, gnosis, which, uh, by the way, if, if you were here last Sunday, I apologize, I actually misenunciated mis that in a conversation Jen and I had. She brought it up and I was like, oh, you're right, it's actually pronounced gnosis. To make known the revelation that Christ is the mystery that was revealed. There is no greater mystery. There is no greater solution. Next one that we know. That Paul was making it very clear that this is God's plan. This is by God's salvation. This is God's freedom. This is God's calling. Not man's. And then in the very, in the very last piece there. That to add anything to this is wrong. Anytime you take the salvation message of Jesus Christ and the freedom of Jesus Christ and you start adding things to it, you start saying, well, yeah, but this and this and this. That's where it gets wrong because my relationship with God is the same way you get a relationship with God, and that is because Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the price, shed the blood, that we forget, we, I'm sorry, we find forgiveness of sins, and we have a newness of life. We are a new creature. Not because of what man has done or what man talks about, but because what God has done and allowing his son to do it. So I stand in victory, not because a man said anything, and not because I'm agreeing with any person, but because I have acknowledged the fact that Jesus Christ is in my heart and I have a new creature because of that. And because of that, I can have a heart change. Paul was fighting an argument that was going on and a discussion and things that were going on and saying, listen, do not give up the freedom of Jesus Christ for what man brings in. Because of freedom. Because here's the thing. Are we supposed to be good to one another? Yes. Are we supposed to not lie? Correct. We're not supposed to lie. Are we supposed to be loving one to another? Yes. Turns out, how does that all happen? How can you love your enemies? Loving your friends is pretty simple. 
for the most part, unless they get on your nerves a little bit, right? But how can you love your enemies? Isn't that what Jesus said? How can you do good to those who spitefully use you? Isn't that what Jesus said? So if I'm supposed to do that, I'm going to have to have a change of heart. How is that supposed to happen? Oh, I'm just going to, I have to get up in the morning and I'm just going to have to really try really hard. You know, put in that extra effort. No. How do we all, no matter where we are at, no matter who we are with, reflect Jesus Christ when each of us are different people, different reactions, different characteristics, different history, different problems. But yet somehow God is saying, be holy as I am holy. And he's saying, shine the light of Jesus. Okay, so how can you shine the light and I shine the light? Very simple. If you're following after Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, and you're a new creature creature or creation within Jesus, and I'm a new creation within Jesus, and God is forming Jesus in me, and God is forming Jesus in you, turns out we can all shine the same exact light and still have different lives, different experiences, different situations, and still do it all with one. So it's not me managing you. It's God managing me and me keeping my nose in my own business. Right? So then into verse 5, if you're not in Galatians, turn back to Galatians in chapter 2, verse 5. He says, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. We did not want to give ear to this anymore. And in verse 6, but from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God chose personal favoritism to no man. Basically saying, I'm Paul. This is my authority. He spent the entire first chapter saying this is my authority. But he says, God doesn't... God doesn't look at me any different than he looks at you just because I've had all these years. And if a person comes in and says, oh boy, look at me, I am this important person, that does not matter at all. The only thing that matters is God. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Caiaphas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they too to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was also eager to do. And basically what Paul is just making an indication there to them, whoever has come in to your lives, to your area, and has started to add in and start talking to you about things, listen, this is not coming from the authority that is in there. It's not coming from God. It is even not even coming from the leaders that they say that they represent. It Because 
we already have the hand of fellowship. So what can we extrapolate from this? That the people that went to Galatia were claiming authority, was trying to put people in bondage under the law, and the Galatians were quick to implement the change. Paul was establishing that our relationship with God is founded in Christ. The law cannot save. Doesn't God say that we need to obey? Isn't there some rules and regulations around that? Well, in Luke chapter 6, at the very end of the, end of the chapter, in verse 46, Jesus says this, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream, the stream beat vehemently against the ha that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So do we need to obey? Yes, there is that. So why is circumcision a bondage? Circumcision under the law would be a covenant under the Torah that according to Acts 15, and we're going to go back there, remember, just a little bit ago, so hopefully you put your fingers in there, or something, going back to Acts 15, and looking, we're only looking at a few verses, 6 through 11, now the apostles and elders, so Acts 15, verse 6, now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction very important point, made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Neither Jew, nor Gentile, nor Greek, nor Roman, nobody was, no, no other case, no other identification. It was the same way straight across the board. And in verse 10, now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither of our fathers nor we were able to bear? And he's talking about the law. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Basically putting us all in the same even keel when it comes to it. So Jesus brought a freedom and brought a forgiveness that we can operate. So do I obey? Yes. But why do I obey? Because of my relationship that was bought with a price upon the cross. When you have that relationship with God through Jesus the Christ, you want to have your life reflect that. And because of that, you allow that change of heart. What you find yourself doing is automatically doing what you need to be doing. You find yourself not liking it when you do the things that you know you're not supposed to do. And you find yourself liking the fact that you really like what God is doing. It's really strange. Because we're not talking about, yes, we are talking about actions, but we're not talking about salvation by actions. If that makes any sense at all.
My salvation is bought with a price by Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. My actions as I walk this life, as I go through, are supposed to reflect that change that is going on within me. Does that always happen? No. I think pretty much a conversation with anybody who has ever met me at some point in time has realized that, you know, failures do happen, okay? And there are apologies that are needed, yes. And that happens. Why does that need it? It's because at some point in time, God's still working out in me that salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, that kind of thing. That is still going on. But my sanctification comes from Jesus. Doesn't come from what I do. So it's a very, very strange, hard concept to, to really, really dig into. Because we want people to follow God in a certain way. So we create systems and organizations that specify those ways that make sense to us. But truth is, following God, there is a right and there is a wrong. And in 2 Timothy, once I get to it myself, you probably are already there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, looking at verses 16 through 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. But also note that salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, it is important to put that in context of the previous verses, which is 10 through 15. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been, been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So, yes, you have the following after Jesus and yes, you have the word of God that points you in that, to that righteous way that is, that is able to help you with that. But people who use the word of God to, for lack of a better term, to use it as more of a, um, a board to beat other people with rather than instruction to guide lovingly through, it happens, unfortunately. But the difficulty, <clears throat> sorry, the difficulty of establishing the need of obedience but not having it be a burden through grace. This is something that Anne and, Anne and I very much have discussed in the past, right? I mean, because if you come from a history and not, not because you tell your testimony way better than I can, but if, I, if you don't mind, I'll just summarize just a little briefly. But coming from a background that was rule-based, that was you have to follow a certain way, and this is what you have to do, and then you listened about grace, you struggle with this deal of like, but I still have to do this, or I have to do this in order to find forgiveness. I have to do this in order to do that. No, you find forgiveness through Jesus Christ the Messiah. 
But yet you also have the people who use grace and say, I can live anywhere I want to, and it doesn't matter. But it does matter. Because if I say, Lord, Lord, I need to be doing what he says. Which means that when I do something wrong, I need to be willing to say I'm sorry. When, I, when I'm walking and I'm having issues, I need to be willing to address those issues. I'm not always going to want to address those issues. But I need to. Because I cannot use grace as the ability to just do whatever in the world I want to do and live life the way I want to live. But yet in the same realm, I'm not trying to carry around, oh, I, I just, I got to be burdened with all these things because, you know, I just got to beat myself up again. So it's a huge thing, understanding this. And for the Galatians, a Celtic background, very religious Adher strict adherence to cultural uh, regulations and how many deities that they had point to a governance over all aspects of life and death. So, if they didn't do things certain ways and certain and 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 certain things, there could be consequences. You know, your farm doesn't yield its fruit because you didn't, you know, worship the whatever deity that governed that. So here's the Celts, and they're going, oh, you mean we have to do something more? Okay, yeah, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to immediately implement the change. And Paul's like, no, 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 why? In the very, very first chapter, he's like, I, I'm amazed that you immediately were so willing to actually give up the freedoms of Christ in order to put on obligations. But that's also, in a way, that was exactly what they're used to. How many times, and I'll, I'm editing on this, I promise, how many times have we taken the freedom of Christ and burdened our own little checklist that made sense to us, and it may even make sense to other people, but we add our own little checklist of do's and don'ts so that you feel that you are accomplishing exactly what you should be accomplishing. When really, quite honestly, we need to be living in the freedom of Christ with the obligation of following after him. You know, Greg, that's, that just sounds like you're saying that I can do whatever I want to do. Once again, no. Because the obligation is, are you willing to listen to the Spirit of God? Because the Bible says it is only by us following the Spirit of God that we are not under the law. If you don't want to be under the law, you need to follow the Spirit of God. That means you need to be listening. That means you need to allow your life to be edited. But it also means that I'm not the governor over you and you're not the governor over me. It is my relationship over in Jesus. So if you see a fellow brother or sister in Christ and they're not necessarily doing exactly what is supposed to, you can lovingly instruct, remember what the word of God is, but then it's kind of like that deal of like allowing God, once you've gone over and you've had a little talk with them, 
One, I would highly suggest that you make sure that you have an investment in the life that you decide to instruct. Because if you have an investment in the life that you decide to instruct, it's kind of like going to the bank. If you go to the bank and you have hundreds of dollars in the bank, you taking out a $20 bill is probably not going to affect you too much. But if you go to the bank and you have not invested anything in the bank, you haven't even signed the form to actually join the bank, and you go to the bank and you say, I would like to take money out. And the bank looks at you and says, who are you again? Life and people are a lot like that. So the more you invest into people, the more that as you're walking, and also in the same way, shape, or form, if they come up to you and they notice something about you, the willingness to be listen to listen to what God is trying to instruct. That's how we walk. Boy, doesn't it? Isn't there a lot of room for failure? There's a huge lot of room for failure. There's huge. Guess what? God can walk you through your failures. That's the amazing thing about God. God gave freedom not so that he can burden you with more, but that he can lovingly teach you how to live the life of Christ. And how best to learn than under the grace of God. He is so amazing. So, don't allow you yourself to live under bondage. If you have been living under with this perception of just sin and guilt, I would highly suggest go to God, ask for forgiveness of it, surely, but then let it go and allow your life to actually change. And that may be a process for pretty much your entire life. Just walking and allowing God to forgive and learning to live in the forgiveness and allowing your life to change. Because there is something beyond the pain. There is something beyond the shame. There is something beyond the guilt. And maybe your shame is not even what because you did something wrong. It very well could be because somebody did something to you. And giving that up and allowing God to walk you through the healing process, however long it may take. And I will say that that journey is a very, very wonderful journey, and I haven't come to the end of it yet, so I'm pretty much positive. It, it's kind of feeling like a lifelong journey. I'm just saying. kind of, kind of. I'm getting that vibe. I'm getting that vibe. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you, Lord God, that we can come to you, that we can surrender to you and allow you, Lord God, to be our instruction and be our light and be our life, Lord God, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And I pray, Lord God, that we may honor you and follow after you and encourage one another in the faith and build one another up. For we all need the prayer and we all need to, to be encouraged. I thank you, Lord God, for everything you do and who you are. In your name I pray. Amen and amen.